0: One podcaster leaves. I have a knife. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe we'll both leave. Um, hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes episode 86. This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other leather-clad post-apocalyptic survivors as Masterpieces. I am Master, Ni- pieces. <laughs> Very good. I am Nick, the, um, the driver, uh, and, um, uh, well, uh, master. Well, I guess I'm the master and you're the
1: blaster. That's probably the way to do Gee, it. Gee, thanks. <laughs> it's probably the other way around. I, I'm, I'm probably the guy who remembers how to write. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, We are discussing 2015's Mad Max Furry Road, as I will insist on calling it, because I can't think of it as anything else. But, as is our want when we reach a franchise where we feel there were a number of potential masterpieces, we didn't just watch Furry Road, we watched Mad Max, we watched Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, we watched Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. And T- titles differ in different
1: markets. Well, that's true. <laughs> and then we watched Mad Max Doesn't Have a Number, Furry Road. I'm not sure Beyond Thunderdome had a number originally. Not everywhere, anyway. I think I remember it as... Anyway... Th- th- everybody, were, everybody called it Mad Max 3. There were four Mad Max films. There are four Mad Max films, at least at the minute. And, and I think it's fair to treat them as a series because they have the same director. They did the They're all George Miller, um, who is a... An interesting character by himself, an um, ex-medical doctor. Yeah, I don't don't think he got very far in the medical doctor career, but he certainly said that um, the the original Mad Max was in large parts inspired by the injuries he saw coming into A&E, or whatever they call it in Australia, um, when he was working night shifts. People who had had severe road skin interface incidents. Now, what always fascinated? I, I came to Mad Max late,
0: later-ish in my geek career, so I always knew it at uh, a geek career. <laughs> um, I always knew it as a post-apocalyptic franchise. So, um, uh, I actually saw number three first. I think I did too. I'm pretty sure I saw three and knew of two, uh, but thought, oh, I want to start with one, and then one was uh, on the telly at some point, and I was utterly confused because Mad Max one is not post-apocalyptic. So we'll start here. Hmm. It is dystopian. We are in a collapsing but not collapsed society.
1: Yeah, I and mean, compared with the others, you know, there are still hospitals, there are still news broadcasts, there are still police captains, there are still you know, bulldozers for hire. Yeah,
0: exactly. There <laughs> is still a society, it is a decaying dystopian but, but things society. things are getting bad, certainly. So- yes, but, you know, there are still places where you can go and uh, sit in the meadows and have butterflies fly over you and go on holiday and go to the beach and buy an ice cream. I mean, you'll get run over by a gang of <laughs> street bikers. But, you know,
1: it's it's all right. So this was George Miller's debut, directorial uh, debut? I think he'd made some short stuff. I think it may have been his feature. Uh, OK. Uh, we, we should say that uh, once more we're, we're doing this uh, live face-to-face uh, so that, well, there may be a little bit of editing. We don't have our usual reference sources immediately to mm-hmm. hand. And so
0: we will sound at our normal level of cleverness rather than our artificially elevated... Uh, I mean, not that we sound that clever the
1: first place. Maybe we should just say we've had a, a few pints each. We've also had a few <laughs> pints at <of> the <laughs> but, but anyway, um, we, uh, the, 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 this film to me is the, the, the little scrappy film production that could. Now, this was a film that was very... Uh, and we've watched a few like this,
0: very tightly budgeted, and it was supposed to be a modern-day film, but it was actually... Cheaper to do it in dystopian dilapidated places, <laughs> um,
1: because they didn't have to worry about how it looked so much. They could just say, this is, this is all going to pop. And that, that, was when they're doing it officially at all. There were several occasions on which they just said, okay, let's use this bit of road early in the morning when nobody's about. Right, <laughs> yes, and, yeah. And, you know, put, put a guy with a car at each end saying, hey, would you mind waiting 10 minutes to, while we finish this? <laughs> uh, apparently, we're, we're, the, when the police found out about it, they, they were, you know, being rural police, reasonably happy and say, okay, well, look guys, we'll, we'll just put some more Cars around there, so, so people don't come in by accident. Yeah, but there they, they, they was certainly no money for actual filming permits.
0: Not the kind of thing they could do when uh, when Fury Road uh, rolled around. But mm. so Mad Max is the story of Max Rockatansky. I always think it's Rockatansky, which Rockatansky isn't it? Um, <laughs> who is uh, one of the basically the last cops that the cops of. Uh, main
1: force patrol. Main, effectively, people weren't really talking about the militarisation of the police much in the seventies. Well, if if, if if you were well, a black protester, you probably were. But, yes, you know, people like me, <laughs> yes, <laughs> who didn't routinely get beaten up by the police. Um, yeah, they've become, but, but they are definitely going in that direction, and they they, they they don't really care a whole lot about um, how much a suspect gets injured as as they're bringing him in, but they are still trying to bring him in.
0: They are, yeah.
1: There's some, there's some uh,
0: pretense, and and again in this film, the you know the justice, the, the the law
1: society completely fails them and lets all the criminals off the hook and mm. that pushes it, it, them it, further towards. That, that's one of the one of the standard story shapes, I think. You know, Trump <laughs> tries to do it right until it is rubbed in his face that doing it right is not going to work. Uh, he's actually reminded me a lot of Dirty Harry, the first one. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is which is eight years earlier. Well um, we
0: started this so uh Mad Max was uh, seventy nine. Um, and we started this podcast in uh uh looking through this right at the the start slash uh mid to height of the American New Wave. Uh and then we jumped back a bit to the beginning of it. And this really does have that
1: kind of New Wave feel to it hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, if, if it had been made in the States it would have been quite late New Wave. I, th- I think this was regarded as one of the first Australian New Wave films. Yes, yeah. And, I, I, and that seems, there are definitely similarities. But just think, thinking specifically Dirty Harry, it's a similar thing. You know, he, he is a cop on the edge, sure, but he is trying to work within the system until the system says, no, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you stop this criminal. And then he just... Takes it into his own hands. And it, it's important to remember, uh I think people forget because there are four sequels, yeah. that at the end of Dirty Harry he throws his badge away. He is not a cop anymore because he has crossed he, that he line and he him, knows yeah. it. Well, the difference, I suppose, in Mad Max is, um, you know, his chief
0: basically says, go <laughs> out there and kill him because um, <laughs> nothing is a way... So there is a difference in society. But, but I agree, it's a very similar... Feel we've got an anti antihero, um, or at least you know a hero is by no means a conventional Hollywood hero by that time. Um, though, as you say, seventy nine is is actually towards the end of the new wave because Jaws was seventy seven, which started to Herrera was it seventy seven? Uh, about then, yeah.
1: No, Star Wars seventy six, seventy five, something like that. Uh, but it, uh, Yeah, but, but in Australia, I think uh, Australian filmmaking was in some respects catching up. So. Well, this is. I've also heard this. Described as an exploitation film. <laughs> but was, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely come back to the international influence when we talk about two. Um, but, yeah, the, the, this, there, there are bits that work really well here, and many of them work really well here. Yeah, There, there, yeah. there, there are obviously the action. I mean, the, the camera work, the music by Brian May, no, not that one. Yes, uh, I had to Google that. <laughs> I was thinking, it doesn't sound like Brome. Yeah, it was uh, a different Broome, Australian composer. Yeah. Yes. Um, that that works really well. The non-action bits for me not quite so great, but part of that is because it, it's clearly really hard to mic dialogue well in yeah. that sort of environment. Yeah, I, I, is there studio stuff in there? I don't think so. No, I mean, the
0: bits that were, I I agree, you know, the driving is clearly very visceral and and, and raw and the the characters, um, the characters are all pretty one, no. The the bits that where it drags and becomes um, basically anything off the road, there's bits (laughs) in the the police, uh, you know, we have have the interesting character, we don't have quite, uh, we have the character of... um, I want to call him Goose. Is he yeah. Goosey? I was going to say I want to call him Goose because he's basically the same character as, uh, as Top Gun's Goose. Um, but this preceded it. But he's kind of the comic relief, uh, but also the, the the stabilizing stabilizing influence on Max a bit. Um, and he does not. He doesn't come out of the film well or alive. Um, well, that's, that's ambiguous. I think they uh, do the, the, say the he didn't did we, make it. Do, do they? Okay. Uh, but anyway, he's, he's not doing well. Regard, he's not going to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> let's put it that Well, we'll come back to that too, but anyway. Um, uh, but uh, the bits that worked less well for me were the bits with Max and his uh wife and child. Uh I think they called... I don't think the
1: child ever gets another name. Sprog. Than Sprog. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh But it's... Which is probably quite realistic, in fact, I you anyway (laughs) (laughs) but it's a little heavy-handed and a little long we we, we, we are setting this up to be foreboding
0: exactly and then we have the whole sequence where she's uh down by the down by the uh, so she goes down to the beach and buys an ice cream and that's why she antagonizes the toe cutters uh, uh, gang in the first place um but then you know we have this whole sequence in the woods that then drags out for a long point. You think, oh, this is where they're going to go. You no, know, they've dragged it out. It didn't feel so much increasing tension to me as just dragging it out a bit um to the point mm. where it's going to... But then I kind of knew what happened to her and I was sort of waiting for yeah. it to happen. So uh, maybe that's unfair of me, but that I, it felt a little... You're not really there, Mad Max. You, you're there for the action sequences and the driving and that kind
1: of stuff. Yeah, I mean, this, this is basically the sort of violent film that was just becoming a thing that you could make and make public.
0: Yeah, in, yeah.
1: This, this degree of violence and gore—I mean, it, by modern standards, it's not particularly gory—but that's you know, in, in the in the popular consciousness of the time. I think that's what people would have noticed most. Well, I, don't, I mean, this uh, is following on from—you know—we had the Wild Bunch, which is notoriously
0: very gory, but mm. that was like. Three, two or three years earlier than Mm. this, it's it's not Sam Peckinpah levels of gore. Um, You get the odd kind of very quick intercut shot of someone with their eyes popping out or something like that. Um, It's more implied what's going to happen to a body when you see what's happening to the car, in a way. You know, even with Goose, they you know you never they never peel back his bandages and go, oh god. They're just (laughs) like, whoa. I think you see Max's reaction to looking at Goose, yes. yeah. but you don't actually see the... Co- so it's actually relatively tame, but it's more like, well,
1: if that's the card, God knows what happened to the person well, inside it, it. it. One of the things is that just the general competence of, we we will show you what the situation clearly must be without showing you the thing itself, and then your imagination can fill it in, and that's, that's going to be way worse than anything we could show. That's good. <laughs> and, and, you know,
0: in this film, for his debut... uh the action in Mad Max is uh it's fast-paced, uh, but you. Uh, this is something I appreciate about, about George Miller all the way through the Mad Max films. I think to a greater and lesser extent, he is, for the most part pretty good at showing you what's actually happening in an action scene. You know, mm. we've complained before about, oh, there's flashing lights and there's, and there's shooting and people are grunting and you can't quite work out what's going on uh, and you're just waiting for it to finish so you work out what the aftermath is. But yeah, it, there, there are some
1: sequences we'll talk about later where this is very true for me. You, you can work out exactly what's going on yes. and that's important.
0: It doesn't always work. Maybe we'll come on to that more with yeah. Fury Road. Yeah. But, uh, but I think he is a very good action director. It's thought We haven't talked about the characters. I mean, we haven't talked about Mel Gibson. So we haven't mentioned the yeah. Words uh, Mel was, Gibson. Was, I
1: can't remember the acting school that he was at at the time. It was the the the, the, one, the big one in Australia. Yes, and 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 the casting calls for spunky young guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he
0: he looks very young. I mean, uh, throughout the films, he noticeably ages. Even though mm-hmm. Mad Max Two is only a few years later. He's definitely, you know, he was clearly still growing into an adult in Mad Max. Mm-hmm. He's very young here. Yeah, at this point he hasn't
1: started the serious drinking. Which uh, makes a difference. Uh, we did just mention we've had a few pint drinks. <laughs> it's yes. not me too do it. But, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a later film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, the, this got very little international really uh, attention at all. Yes. It, 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 I think, I can't remember which call, I think it was American International bought it for the US market and American International yeah, he, well, ne, ne, never saw a corner they couldn't cut. Um, <laughs> they, they, I think they redubbed it for the US release, yes. so that people could understand the accents. Yeah, uh, uh, yes. it's bizarre to me, but, but that's often the way. It, it was a pretty small release, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people had seen it.
0: I, I mean, it had a tiny budget and made a ton back compared. It didn't make a lot of money, but
1: you know, as a multiple of its budget, exactly, it did. Yeah. It did incredibly well. Uh,
0: well enough to make a seal. so have we got more to say about Mad well,
1: the Mad Max well just one point on that which was um, that t- towards the end Max is injured and then limps along the road and then gets back in the car and, and finishes things off. Yes. That limp was explicitly an inspiration to James Cameron for the injured Terminator. Oh, really? So What I also appreciate about that is that limp is
0: clearly... You know, that carries on to the next film. He's not a character who's instantly healed mm. um, from one film to the next. In the next film, he's got a leg brace and a limp. Um, so if you knock at your knee, it doesn't really come back from that, exactly. even if you are young and spunky. Um, I mean, as far as what kind of an impact Mel
1: Gibson makes
0: here... Uh, I, uh, I don't
1: think anybody makes a strong acting impression beyond the yeah they, they they do their job and they they make they cause me to believe in the character which is not nothing. What do you think about? We well, haven't talked about the, the biker gang and uh, well the the, right the, the the key motif I think here is is one that's going to be carried on that you've got the boss guy who has it more or less together and then you have the slightly wild sidekick yeah who's a lot more violent. Yes, or they're trying um, to prove himself or is less confident. Uh, just, you know, John, Johnny here is clearly shown as having some sort of learning disability and, all right, he's the only guy with a learning disability in the film and he's a bad guy, but it's not a film for subtlety anyway. I mean, that, that, what have we got? One female character, pretty much. So. Uh, yeah, who gets it. And, and her, basically,
0: plot devices to motivate the male character. Yeah. Um, I do so, want to talk a bit more about... Um, associations uh later particularly with uh kinkiness <laughs> because that seems to be kinkiness equals yeah. bad but we'll come on to that more in um Mad Max 2. so 3. so
1: miller apparently had a pretty bad time um and felt at the end of this that he, he had not had a you know pleasant filming experience right um he did, he did keep on making films uh he was trying to get some other stuff filmed. i i, I think i i can't work out the exact details but more, more or less he, he he said i want to make this and the the money men said yeah, okay, maybe, but make M- Mad Max 2 first. <laughs> right, okay, so
0: that was where Mad Max 2 came from. Um, okay, so, uh, what well, the interesting that the, the Toe Cutter character will come back to in Fury Road, because it's the same actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh so, Mad Max 2,
1: uh, or just The Road Warrior, as it was largely called because no one had ever heard or seen of Mad Max. Yeah, uh, I mean, in, 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 the in, in the US advertising, um, it, do, it doesn't mention his name and it doesn't mention that it's a sequel because most people in the States had not seen the original. Um, there, there, it does start with some flashback footage from the original, but that's just a set-up.
0: It's a, I mean, it basically summarises the film. And what we learn early in Mad Max 2 is things have degenerated even more into... Uh, basically post-apocalyptic
1: at this point yeah, though the, there hasn't the, the, actually explicitly been an apocalypse by Mad Max yeah but, but I think this film established the canonical look of what, what a post-apocalyptic film looks like yes um, and it, it was certainly the one that got widely imitated by the cheap Italian studios once uh, Sword and Sandal and Westerns had gone out of fashion
0: oh yeah and, and certainly you know for a, it was widely imitated from a gaming so, you know we had Car Wars which is basically Mad
1: Max the game I remember well, playing. Car Wars is normal. Post apocalypse, but you know, you, you, you nobody has any trouble finding ammo, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, you know, I was
0: even uh, it, it got to the point of even you know, the fighting fantasy game books that you explained had a, <laughs> a, a Mad War, Max yeah, um, yeah. Uh, style, it, it became a style of itself. And this really, there, there was a whole separate series by Joe Diva as well. Oh, yeah, the freeway, maybe that's the freeway where freeway fighter is anyway, but you're right, yes, there was, um, uh, but this Mad Max 2 really. Is influential in a huge way, and just as, as you say, establishes the aesthetic of sandy roads um, and uh, survivors and road gangs that were all, for some reason. Heavily into BDSM gear. And I've still not quite worked out that, having watched well, all of them.
1: Well, my, my working theory is that when the bombs dropped, there were a whole bunch of people in the dungeon of Bruce's House of Perversion. <laughs> yes. And, you know, they, they, <coughs> they, they dressed themselves from what they found when they came out
0: again. I mean, it re- I remember thinking, oh, it's a bit kinky. But, you know, Mad Max 2, you know, we have characters with um, people, leather jackets, and they're chained to each other. You know, basically... Um, Wes is it Wes um, yeah is clearly in a kind of dominant relationship with one of the other and I mean dominant with a capital D um, relationship with one of the other gang members and is uh eh, I I do have some problems with, I mean I don't get me wrong I like the aesthetic I, I'm not particularly into BDSM myself but I do like the aesthetic of kind of dusty road and uh, just this these kind of weird kinky guy, guys and girls, but I do slightly dislike the association that kinky equals evil in a similar way that, you know, in Bond, um, disabled equals evil. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they But your disability evil. will be used against you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That aside, I love the aesthetic, and this yeah. is where we get the, the classic, the Interceptor was... Uh, it's funny really, you get the Interceptor you always think of as this, uh, I always think of as this classic Mad Max car, but it, it almost does almost nothing in any of the films except the mm. first one, but here it's the classic
1: look. And it's explicitly destroyed. Yeah, and it's right. explicitly destroyed. Um, I, well, but, be... Another thing though, we we get the suggestion of Damaged is Evil, um, Humongous' is Mask particularly. Uh, yes. I, I've seen some suggestions, I, I don't think this was ever, you know, Gospel from Miller or anything, but I think he suggested that it might be that he was particularly burned, or something of that nature. You, you do and get some. some. Somebody even suggested that he might have been um, re- in, in an early script draft, maybe revealed as Goose from Mad Max One. Well, and I'm mean, really glad they didn't do that because I think it would work very badly. Well, there's, there's
0: some. I, I, in a way, we're given very little backstory at all, which is why these theories fill in. But all the the kind of good guys are often clothed in. White and fairly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, flimsy. It's almost like sort of the elves in Lord of the Rings, really. They're often in flowing cloaks and things also, like that. Also,
1: I, I haven't seen the guy in anything else. Um, the, the, the leader of the good guys, Papagallo Yes. Uh, played by Mike Preston. He he has the look of one of the classic British film actors. you know somebody like Terence Stamp, he has that sort of face. D- yes, yeah, he does, yeah. He, He's, he never quite seems to have got the breaks. He did a lot of TV guest parts, but this is probably about his biggest actual film role. It's an interesting character, but that, uh,
0: oh, I do, I mean, I, I, uh, Mad Max I liked, but I, I don't think I would have thought I would have found it quite a forgettable film, I mm. guess. Yeah. Um Mad Max 2, uh, I don't think it's uncontroversial to say, just works very well on a number of levels. It's just, it's not, off-putting, you know. You identify with Max a bit. He's a he's a recognize he's, he's a survivor. He's a recognisable character, um, uh, but also he's not. Interestingly, Max is not quite an iconic character in the same way that Indiana Jones is. He is hurt mm-hmm. persistently. All his iconic things get destroyed. His interceptor gets destroyed. He has this dog. In this one, one, yeah. It, well. I think in later films he does become more of an iconic character, I suppose. Yes. But here he has the dog that you know almost seems like, oh, this is going to be now. I can't. I can't.
1: Now it gets killed off. Never. It, it, he, it even Miller won't show it to... happening. No, <laughs> that's right. Um, the 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 thing is, I mean, yeah, this is 1981, and I think that's important. This is post Star Wars. It's what, the same year as Raiders, I think. Yes, same year. As Raiders. Um, and. The, the influence I see is that th- this is after George Lucas had gone on about the hero with a yeah, faces, yeah. of the thousand faces and Joseph Campbell and all that stuff and I think he is trying to do that because the, the he, this is almost the reverse of Max's journey from the first film, you know, he, he is at the start the guy who is out for himself yeah that the hand solo i'm just I'm just gonna do the job and get paid, and that's it i'm not I'm not hooking up with your rebellion. Yes, he does follow the the journey of but that's and his. and that gradually fails until he has to force himself to become part of the society again it's It's interesting the reason that fails
0: is he he doesn't make a choice to come back, you know he drives off in his interceptor. And then is, um almost immediately, uh, in a pretty severe car crash where he's very badly injured and has to get helicoptered back by, um the wonderful, is it Bruce? Bruce Spence. Bruce Spence, the wonderful gyro captain character. Um they liked him so much they brought him back as the same character, even though he wasn't second. <laughs> um, uh, so it's an interesting, it's not quite the hero's journey of him regretting it and turning around and coming back he gets carried back on a stretch and then realises he's
1: basically got nothing else he can do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's meant to be portrayed as his journey back to being a part of society, except, yeah. at the end, he's not.
0: Well, it was similar... Well, we'll talk about this again in Fury Road, which I think, again, was supposed to be the same sort of story, but, again, they changed that idea. But it, the the thing about all the future Mad Max films from this one... Is that the Max character basically does follow the same story in every film, yeah. um, which becomes a little... Well, uh, oh, I don't know about wearing. There's always a freshness to it, but this is the first time we saw that one. I agree, it is a bit um, hero's journey, um, but it is done in such a... Uh, I don't want to say iconic because I, 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 I know what I mean by saying he's not an iconic character in that he uh, he gets persistent damage and all his trademarks are destroyed, mm. but he himself. Does become this lone wanderer in the in the wilderness uh, by the end of this film, and then from then on he sort
1: of becomes iconic. But this is him developing it in a way. Um, yeah. So as, as far as I'm concerned, th- this is this is two films in one. And again, the action film works really well. And when it tries to be serious, it doesn't quite for me.
0: Well, the I, I was surprised that I remember this as a long chase film. Uh, there's actually, you know, the, the chase. The, the big truck battle is what, the last 10 minutes? I, 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 I weighed it in about 20 minutes, but yes, yeah, mm. not much. Uh, in fact, there's probably more of it in Mad Max 3, um than there is mm. here, but it doesn't feel like it. Um here it is. It,
1: it's it, it, definitely the memorable, the most memorable bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I, it's really well done. I mean, the action is, um, I again, you know, these are all fast-moving vehicles driving very fast around a, a bizarrely well-maintained right. road. Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't. None of the stuff in Yeah, you, you, in you drive a lot about makes...
1: across the same bit of sand; it gets churned up and lumpy. It, it doesn't. So... It, none of it makes a lot of sense. None <laughs> of do them yeah. um, But I'll, I, I will. Re- well, what, there's one bit that does, and it's lovely to see. it. I suspect it was purely budget. But mostly, when these cars crash, they don't explode. Like actual yes. cars Yeah
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah that's true I mean they, they will explode If a specific thing To happen to. That We didn't talk about Mad Max What the the punishment For um, Where he is basically Handcuffed to uh, something which is about to explode, and they say, well, if you, hangc- if you saw through the handcuffs, it's going to take you 20 minutes, and this is going to blow up in 10 minutes. You might get through your wrist uh, or your ankle, which is exactly the same punishment uh, Rorschach hands out to a baddie in mm. Watchmen. Um, I don't know who pinched what first, but I know when Mad Max
1: came out before <laughs> before Watchmen. That um, would far be it for me to speak no, about. No, let, let, let's point out that the actual time is far less than would be needed for either of these things. So. Mm. That's true, um so again, we haven't talked about characters as
0: much, man how do you think Mel Gibson Mel Gibson looks noticeably older two years later,
1: yeah, um, um is and the, this I, this I think is probably his his big international breakout role, along with believe yes. they did it the same year. oh was it the same year, yeah,
0: okay, yeah um I, again, there's not much to say about is it I don't know how I feel about Mel Gibson, I'm so colored by how I know a you know,
1: by him now, mm-hmm. and all drinking, the domestic abuse, and, and the, the, yeah. the
0: the 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 uh, uh, yes, uh, I don't know that I'm particularly struck by him. Desperately, is he? Uh, does he seem carried? Character- I think he
1: gets the job done. Yeah, again, um, and it, this obviously, it's presented as a film with a star because you've got to present a film as having a star. It, it seems to me much more of an ensemble piece than it's really presented as. Yeah, for this one. Um, I mean, yeah, Max is the guy who does the thing and, and gets things moving from the stalemate and so on. But even so, I mean, Papagello's important. Uh, Wes is important. Vernon Wells in his first um, film role. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I yeah. first saw him a few years later in Commando as the bad guy there.
0: I saw him first in Weird Science, where he plays the same character as <laughs> Wes.
1: <laughs> so it was very confusing for me. Um, but uh, yeah. and, and, and again, we've got the, the, the boss who has it proved fairly together and the the henchman who is much more and he, the one of the things i like is um he, the, the, those guys on the chains on the boss's wagon that's clearly a punishment position yeah yeah and, and where gets put into that after he causes things to go bad yeah yeah that's true um and uh well once again we have a villain uh
0: he seems to think it's a great idea to drive headfirst into Max's larger truck. Um, there isn't Max's truck in the first film, but that's uh, the way that the villain is dispatched. Um, mm-hmm. Humongous is dispatched and wears uh, simultaneously in, in this particular... Cap. I mean, the, the driving, the action... Uh, it's really good. I mean, there's just something about the dustiness, the spikes which I appreciate make some kind of sense. I, everyone, you pointed this to me off there, everyone is hanging off the exhaust stacks on these trucks in this film. Those get well. hot, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so it doesn't make a
1: ton of sense. Um, I, I don't know. actually know which came out first out of this and Raiders or whether there would have been time to overlap, but both of them have that sense of it's not just a vehicle chase slash fight, it's a vehicle has multiple locations in it and, you know, you can, you can clamber, you can, you know, jump on the back of the truck and then work your way up to the cab and then grab the guy in the cab and have a fight and one of you gets thrown out and maybe they grab onto the truck as they get, as they fall off it and that That's, sort of thing. I doubt they were, you know, influenced by each other. I, I don't think there would inter- have been time, there yeah. usually isn't, but yeah. But it is well done. And but that actually, but it's, it's clearly a thing the the time for which had come, maybe, maybe, you know, mobile cameras were suddenly good enough that you could get a useful Shot <laughs> out of it. Remembering we've talked about before the the classic way of filming, you know, people in a car has the car on, on a block in a studio Except, and the camera hard mounted to it and then you back project the street scene. And you couldn't get much further than that from, from the, you know, the car is a location all
0: in itself. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I also. Whereas now you just put a camera on the car. So. Yeah. <laughs> Max is, um, also a bit like Indy, um, uh, he's vulnerable, you know, he's, he's getting hurt and he's getting injured and, you know, yeah, it's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he is not the comic really, and he's sort of partly the comic relief as well, but he's a very, he's a hard character to sympathise with, Um, uh, even seeing Mad Max 1, but it's, uh, it's a, I mean it's a great film i'm not gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, it, I as far as Mad Max one probably not a masterpiece good but slightly forgettable mad max two I, I think just from the influence it had uh from it's quite approachable and from the action it's really good i mean i I'd, I'd watch it again
1: um, quite yeah there the, 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 there were a few things that that didn't quite work for me at the in the in the end um other than you know, hitting airborne targets is really hard. People found this out in nineteen fourteen <laughs> I so. took that as a lucky shot
0: yeah I, or it's, it's um, humongous that does it, and I guess i'm allowed he's allowed a, a few
1: the i mean, okay, spoilers for the film, I guess um <laughs> so. a bit length for that too. <laughs> Uh, but you know, when it is revealed that the tanker that the gang, the gang were mostly chasing was in fact full of sand but yeah. not, not full of sand because sand is about twice as dense as petrol so I call it half full of sand it has some sand uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the sand is spilling out the, the, it's the, a decoy the, cool. the gang have realised okay the prize is not here and the, and the, the, the guys with the, pri- with the actual fuel have, have got away and we can't catch them now they do not seem to me like the sort of calm, collected people who would who would shrug their shoulders and say, "Oh well, you know, he, he killed about <laughs> ten of us, but yeah, fine, whatever." Let him go. I, yeah. I feel I feel they would put a knife in knife in his gut and then go away. But eh, I suppose they have lost their leaders, and maybe they did. Yeah,
0: I I agree, but uh, we'll let it go. Um, but the, the
1: thing is. I don't know. I, I feel that there's a scene that's sort of missing, and it's hard. It would have been a very hard scene to write and film. Of you know, Max catches up with them afterwards and says, "Hey, you you guys sent me off with the decoy. What's up with that?" And as yeah. a result of that, goes off on his own rather than staying with them.
0: Yeah. Instead, maybe. he just. Or maybe just, yeah. We have the feral kid. It again works very well here, but then we find out. Uh, that he's doing that. Well, I like him anyway. I
1: yeah, my, my my reaction was first of all, hang on. I'm pretty sure a child that age would normally be speaking, unless it had actually never heard language. Well, and then I thought, how, well, maybe the end of the world counts as a major psychological trauma. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe. I, I mean, it's a little confused with it. This is supposed to be two or three years after Mad Max, so, but he's regressed. I, I, I've, I've seen a chronology and I've seen a different chronology, and I don't really know what it's meant to be. We'll come back to the chronology, man. Max
0: yeah. Four, I think, but uh, Max Two are just vastly different to Mad Max. Um,
1: and then we have the the Hollywood. Mad well, Max well, yeah, th- I I'd just like to mention because um, th- this is the one that Pauline Cale reviewed. Um mm-hmm. she, she mentioned the first one in passing, but the, but uh, this this one she had a um, full review of, and she she was not a, not a big fan. Um, Fair enough. Basically. She, she found, I think she enjoyed the action, but she, she was saying, what I regret is George Miller's thinking there's mythic death, depth in sickly stale elements like the feral kid who worships Max, the aviator's devotion to Max, where's his love for his blondie, Max not allowing himself to have any fellow feeding except for his pooch. Yeah. He gets effects, but they're not the perverse erotic effects that seem promised. It's weirdly (laughs) non-kinky because he's trying to be seriously kinky. And and she, she found it too sappy and sentimental. (laughs)
0: <laughs> rather okay. than resonant. I mean, it's, no, it's not Rocky Horror Show camp in any way, um, <laughs> which I think, to be honest, the fourth film sort of leans into, I'm sure. Yeah. But,
1: uh, yeah, fair point. I'm not sure I agree with all of that. But I, I did agree it. with all of it, but but I, th- I think she has some points. And yeah. I, I do think if there had been a bit less Joseph Campbell in it and a bit more actual character, it might have worked better. But yeah, there's some dialogue, but not much character development. Or I, like, You don't want much, but... Uh, it may may have been just the print I saw. I found the night scenes pretty muddy, but, yeah, that that may just have been... Uh, I think I agree, but I usually watch these things on my phone, and I <laughs> may not be the best time to watch. All right. So, yeah, so four, uh, four years later, it's 1985. Beyond Thunderdome. Well, yeah, it, it's 1983, uh, during the location scouting for this, yes. that Byron Kennedy dies in a helicopter crash. And he, he was the producer on one and two, uh, he, he was Miller's partner in, in the company. And a close friend. Yeah. Um, and Miller was very much, very much, uh, emotionally traumatized by this. Um, and at, at one point he wanted to cancel the thing completely. Um, he, he's co-directing, I can't remember with whom, but by all accounts they were pretty much on the set together anyway. Yeah. I mean, um, it's hard to, Accounts I, I, vary I, I, on to how much his mind was on the film and how much he wanted to do it. I, I do suspect that he may have been less able to resist when somebody came along and said, I want to put this in. Uh, yeah, he's not going to say, no, I've got this.
0: Thing. Well, yeah, he, he may have uh, avoided the of uh, Hollywood-ization of it a bit more, maybe, uh, in another situation. But this is the biggest budget by far of yeah, the Mad the, Max films. Yeah, uh, so far <laughs> um, and it ha- it's it's you know
1: opens with a Tina Turner number it has Tina Turner everyone knew Tina Turner was in it she was, she was a huge at the time my perception was very much stunt casting I hadn't seen her acting in anything else yeah, on, yeah. on reflection now I think she actually does a pretty good job it's it's
0: it's a, it, so she's anti uh, anti-entity I think I anti yeah. um but she's She's an interesting um character and again we have
1: this um fairly together villain um yeah she's... i mean the, the thing that i see on this is I mean, that they, you could get into into a whole um plot section which is never really explored um you know she, she has obviously had, had to be the, the tough leader to keep the society together. And what do you do when you, when you realise that the dictatorship has become what your society is running on, rather, rather than the ephemeral measure while you get stuff back together? Exactly. Yeah. You have to make tough decisions to hold a
0: place like Barton together. Uh, yeah. But, what, what are you actually holding? Exactly. There
1: comes a point where it becomes,
0: and I, it is. Look,
1: that, that's the thing I, 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 I I try, as always, no, never to, to castigate a film yeah. not bit for being what, what it is rather than what I want it to be. But that's the thing I would love to see developed in that, like, that style of... And I
0: think Tina Turner here is a good enough actress to get that across. She's mm. a good enough actor to... I, I feel she's hinting at it. Yeah. But, the, the, just, the, but the
1: script just never really goes it, anywhere. There's that moment though. where she says, I was
0: nobody until the day after. And I think that's creeping to all... So, aesthetically, what I like about... You know, this is clearly some years after Mad Max 2, depending on which timeline you look at, it's like 15 years or something like that, um, to quite a bit later than the actual chronology. What I like here is, you know, the t- the kind of world you had in Mad Max 2 was never sustainable. Gasoline was just not that easy to come by. You're going to mm-hmm. run out of it. And here in Mad Max 3, it kind of acknowledges Especially that. Especially if you go blowing, blowing up the refinery. Exactly. Why? would they wouldn't Anyway, um, uh, here it acknowledges that, you know, Max is not, He's, he's getting pulled along by his camels, you know, there's no, no one's driving around in cars. Or it, you know, that happens at the end.
1: Uh, and I, yeah, he, he, he is barely Max as far as I can say. He's, you know, he, he's just a guy with a, with a caravan of trade goods. He's a survivor now, isn't he? And that, I like that. The
0: problem is what everyone liked about Mad Max 2 was the, the driving fighting. And <laughs> so much as I appreciate it, it does, uh, and it makes sense, in a sense as anything in the Mad Max world makes sense. Um it does, uh, it's a bit like the Wild West, you know, you know, the Wild West was such a compressed period and we think of it as a long, yeah. uh, and I suppose the Mad Max 2 period would necessarily have been very short because people would have run out of all of that stuff. And Mad Max 3 acknowledges that, but it kind of loses a little bit as well. It loses a lot of the fun and the high octane stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a much slower paced film. Uh, Because of that, at least at the beginning.
1: Um, Also, we now have long haired Mel. Um, Yes. The previous year, he had had a a three month driving ban in Ontario for drunken driving. But um, people who who worked with him on this said, I was really amazed to discover that he was having the five pints for breakfast because on the set he was professional.
0: (laughs) Okay, alright.
1: Yeah. So he was, he was, he had his own demons to face. Yeah.
0: and still is, but this sounds a bit. Um, uh, I so we have Barter Town which I you know I really like as a, a kind of a visualization, and, and mm-hmm. we've talked about Tina Turner's auntie as this kind of realistic, not evil she you know she's not a
1: ridiculous uh, over the top toe cutter, she's not a crazy yeah I mean humongous I, 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 the obvious temp, obvious temptation to go full dominatrix I'm sure was there. I mean and she, and she is wearing she, a huge chain mail. <laughs> yeah, but, but she but she isn't doing the, the 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 sexy powerful woman thing. She's being an actual powerful woman. Yeah. Which is great.
0: It's actually uh yeah, there's the, the, the some acknowledgement that she's in a difficult position. Uh uh, and she's uh, there's some policy internal politics of barstown and how she you, you get the impression of the things she has to play just to stay in power mm. um and you have a lot of sympathy with her or at least some sympathy with her and she played, she uses max as a resource uh which frankly i don't particularly <laughs>
1: um blame her for. Mm. And then we have this. Uh... Well, well, I, I think the, the, the thing that had certainly struck me by this point, they didn't get Brian May brackets not that one back. <laughs> uh, they they got yeah. Char, Um uh, not, you know, not not bad at what he does. But all of a sudden, what we have is not uh, digestic or atmospheric music. We have a, a soundtrack with actual songs on it, but also you know lots of clangy, bangy, and. I didn't mind the... I, I really noticed the soundtrack much more in this than I, the I really two.
0: didn't think it easy. I mean, partic- it's very much, oh, you're supposed to feel this, ho-ho,
1: this is a comedy moment, ho-ho. Th- John, John, John Williams' weaker weaker soundtracks, like for me, the one for Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Here is how you are supposed to feel now, yeah. Well, I, I think
0: uh, it just doesn't work for this kind of post-apocalyptic... I don't know. The whole aesthetic screams out kind of metal kind of soundtrack stuff, but we've got this kind of orchestral classic... Yeah, Raiders kind of style uh, soundtrack, which just doesn't work for this kind of world. I, mm-hmm. It pulled me out of it numerous times, particularly when they re- returned back to Thunderdome with the children. Um, I just the, there's many kind of oh, oh, oh here's some comedy music oh here's a these people and and often the kind of sentiment that it was expressing, or the times it pulled me out of it. Maybe often I didn't notice. Well, when the sentiment, the music seemed to be expressing, didn't really match what was happening on screen. Mm. It was either too sad, or too funny, or too, uh, the soundtrack w- is one of my least favourite things in, uh, not yeah. the, not Tina Turner stuff. Yeah, um, the, the actual song, I mean, I don't think, I don't especially like it, but it's not objectionable. Oh, I grew up, it's hard for me to think of it as objectionable, because, well, you know, uh, we grew up <laughs> listening to it, but I, I don't hate it uh, at all, but the soundtrack spoils it for me. Thunderdome, um I I I love the idea. I mean, that has become an iconic thing, you know. Word: two men enter, one man leave, and that's
1: a real geek thing. And Thunderdome is a a name that has survived on. <laughs> yeah, and and here's a thing: that we'll see even more in four. The the idea of the old mythology is gone, but we've built a new mythology. Yeah, yeah, and I. Um, and you know, the, the, there is the way things are done, and people feel comfortable because things are done in the way things are done, even though that's actually a completely new invention. Four's really good at that. So. Yeah, but we'll we'll come. Uh, but Thunderdome, I. Also, the actual
0: fight in Thunderdome with Blaster, uh I think it's really good. it's another one of those very physical we're in this environment, this is a guy who's got something on the floor and he's gonna say you really know what's the state you feel what well, I I use the foreshadow
1: but yeah, use the foreshadowed device I found a bit Bit, bit clunky. Well. We have foreshadowed this device. Now you're going to use the device we foreshadowed. Uh, I mean, it plays with
0: it a bit. You know, he drops the whistle and he does I I mean, you kind of know where he's going to win before he goes in. And I agree. That is a problem. Uh, Almost before the whistle comes in, I liked it. Um, you know, when Mm. he gets the, he gets the chainsaw and it just doesn't work because of course nobody's got any petrol. So it's a waste
1: of time. Um, I, I really like the Thunderdome element. Um, I I suspect this is one one of the places where the chainsaw is a melee weapon in popular culture came from.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> they're a really lousy weapon. You, you need an extended contact to get a card, but anyway. If you're in a post-apocalypse, don't use a weapon that uses petrol for well, a um,
0: <laughs> But then, then it quite quickly flitches to uh, break a deal, spin the wheel. That feels a step too far for me. Then all of a sudden we're like, oh, here's another sort of slightly
1: comedic, weird... Mm. It, it felt a bit too much. Yeah, to the, particularly towards the end, I, I got a lot of the impression of they're trying to be comedic about this. So Gulag costs you a horse every time you do it. <laughs> yes. I mean, exactly. and a papier-mâché mask, but you can, you can make that. But you know, horses, are, horses are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you? Yeah. Well, did, yeah, I agree.
0: Um, and then we have one of the more controversial, or a bit like Ewoks well, in Return the This is yeah. the one
1: where I really got the feeling of the three-act structure. I mean, yes. there, there's a bit of it in the first yes. two, but this is where it's really, okay, we, we have act is Town, Town. Act 2 the is children, the kids, Act 3 is the big fight. Yes, I agree. So, Act 2 is the children. Um, lots of people hate the children.
0: Um, I I don't, honestly. I, I, don't. I
1: liked the idea of the legendary and the oral tradition they built up and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like, I, I just felt they looked too pretty, too clean. Oh, well, that's a, that's a bit, yeah, that's very even, fair. If, even if they are
0: living in a river valley. Uh, well, that, it, it's kind of a, the the lost tribe is not um,
1: an unusual trope either. It, it, it's not. I mean, it's certainly not the not the only film that that has had you know. Uh, the, 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 they, these people have been cut off from civilization for, for many years, but they still have perfect dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked for me. I don't mind it. I like, it, it gives Max a different
0: kind of dynamic to play off, and I think he's hmm. an interesting, he's, so he's this world where elite characters like, well, you, what are you, look at this place. Why would you want to, and, you know, frankly, why would you want to
1: go and live in a bombed out skyscraper when you live in a river valley? But, uh, yeah, and, 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 and the whole, I, I do like that. You you are the prophesied saviour. No, guys, I'm really not. Yeah, I, I think that's what I like about The Children. It gives Max a kind
0: of... It makes Max a bit more human because mm. suddenly... And maybe it is a bit of look, I'm going to have to explain this shitty world I live in to you, and by kind of extending to the audience as well, yeah. whereas before it's all been... Um, I, I agree, they are quite pretty, but
1: I don't, I don't hate them. Um, yeah. I, they don't ruin it for me, it doesn't feel too... It, it, it's, it's pointing slightly in the wrong direction, but it, it, it stacks up with the other things that for me are pointing in the wrong direction. Uh, I, where it works less for, well for me is where they all
0: head off to Bartertown and have this little comedy adventure in the pig shit at the bottom
1: the, the, the yeah ha 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 he fell in the pig shit uh, what, uh, there's oh, oh, during, during the fight we've got the, the villains being uh, bashed off off the um, cab with, with um, frying pans that make a comic bong noise yeah but... um, we, we've got um, Bassie, uh, he he's really uh, in terms of the whole Slightly more together, villain. Slightly less together, sidekick. He's he's really pretty rubbish as the sidekick.
0: I don't, I don't really.
1: Yeah, I, it's not well, whether that was badly edited or what, but yeah. But, I, but also then he he's um, you know jump, jumping over the trackside railings, and that's that's a very wildy coyote sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and, and the whole thing we're on a, I I like the idea of a train chase, but why you've got well maintained rails coming out yeah. into the desert? Why, why no would way. they
1: even leave them leave them in place rather than cutting up cutting up? Yeah, use that was of, Never mind keeping them clear of sand. It doesn't... Uh, again, one of the many things in mathematics Max it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and to me, I think that the, the, what all this adds up to is um, in two, you've got a whole sense... Uh, you've got a sense of raw and dangerous stuff, yeah. which is very much in one, obviously. Because yeah. it is. Um, but but it, it feels as if that has been sanded down for a mass audience for me. Yeah, well, this is... Is it? It's, it's the first non-R rated Max. Mm. Uh, it's... I don't, I don't hate it, uh. There, there's the whole hand solo reverse, you know, I charge down the corridor, I come yeah. running back, and then the guy's after me straight out of original Star Wars. I think maybe you've really hit upon something there, that it feels like some
0: execs were like, oh, well let's do this, this is a good idea, and rather than George Miller saying, no, this is my vision, and mm. just like, yeah, alright. Uh, whatever the truth of it, it, fe- it does feel a bit like that, it has been polished, and uh, Homogenised. One thing that works better, though, I think, is at the end. Um, uh, maybe Max has. Well, I don't know. It still doesn't quite work for me. But I think Anti-Entity is probably more the kind of villain that would let Max go with a laugh than uh, the
1: the raiders in Mad Max. Team. Yeah, I, I, I having when well, well, I yes, yeah, I haven't seen this since I first saw it in in 1985. Um, but. Having seen, having watched it fairly soon after two, I was much more inclined to say, yeah, that does actually make sense. It makes more sense. But Max, uh, follows a very similar journey
0: than he did in Mad Max 2. He's reluctant. Bad things happen. He's in trouble. Then there's a great, then people are in even more trouble than him. So he sacrifices himself to let them go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's basically the same story for Max again, uh, which is different to Mad Max 1. Um, we have Bruce Spence again as
1: the same, very confusingly, the same character, but not the same well, character. Yeah, the, the, apparently they they talk, talked to him um, because he because of his previous role, um, and he, they they wanted to get him to give give them some advice on whom him to cast and so on. And eventually said, "Well, we just can't find anybody who's good as, who's as good as you. Would you like to do it? Oh, yeah, sure." <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, ob- obviously, um, you're not going to get away with that at Rogers Aviation Corner. Uh, <laughs> that is a Transavia air truck, PL-12. It's basically an agricultural plane, um, so you, you can you, you can use it as a ca- with a cabin as they do here, or you can just load a whole lot of crap in the bottom. Would you be able to fill that many people on it? It's a bit overloaded, but prob- probably it would just about work. Well, Max was clearly one person too many (laughs) for for plot reasons. Um, It it was quite a popular aircraft at the time. It it went out of service within a few years after this. Uh, The the company went bust and, yeah, basically maintenance got difficult. But it's a nice little plane. And And actually, plausibly, you know, piston engine um, doesn't take a lot to make it run on practically anything. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. All right. (laughs) All right. It's iconic looking. Anyway. I, I, I will admit up front that um, this is not a realistic film. Are <laughs> you going to talk you, about I'm, the take I'm on I'm going to talk about using the methane for vehicle fuel. Okay. Because they don't have pressurised tanks. Right. I didn't see any anyway. No. And the volumetric density of, of, of methane at, at, uh, air, at um, you know, outside atmospheric pressure is about one thousandth the volumetric density of petrol. So, you know, the the car would go half a mile before running out of fuel. Okay, (laughs) You'd need either a very big tank or to squash it in better. All right, fair Um, enough. Though, if they had pressurised tanks, they'd go up beautifully when they crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which would be... You'd think that would be a good reason to do it. Now, Um, I I didn't dislike this as much this time round as its reputation would have it, and I I wasn't impressed the first time. Yeah. Uh, I did like it more this time. Uh, I think there are a lot of things wrong with it. I think there's a lot of great ideas. It's just, it just needed a bit more polish and execution to make it. And may, may, maybe a bit more George vision. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't talked about this in detail. It's obviously a very traumatic time for him. Fair yeah. enough. Um, it, it didn't make a whole lot of money, of course, which is why, why for many years the series ended here.
0: And then in 2015, we returned to Mad Max. Uh, now this was a film that he had written a, a long time before and is, is, uh, uh, his vision for it was basically one long chase film. Um, so <laughs> all the other films, I guess the chases probably
1: add up in total to maybe an hour. And
0: uh, the, the, that... the
1: feeling I get? Was let us take the bits out of the, out that people remember from yeah. her, from the other films. Yeah, and let's do let's give them more of that. Yeah, let's do that. And I do. I, I'm I'm in. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So Matt, this is. Um, uh, different character. So, I, this is where the timeline becomes confusing and I don't, I, in this we have a, uh, a young, um, uh, Mad Max now played by, um, Tom, oh my goodness. Tom, Tom Hardy, yeah. Tom Hardy, thank you. Um, and he's a, he's quite a different Max in the sense that he's much more physical and brutal. and I mean, he's, he's got a much mm-hmm. more
1: kind of, uh uh physical <laughs> presence in a way more than mel Gibson has. yeah he, i th- i think about, this is about the time he was playing both of the cray twins in in that film so oh yeah yeah and um, bane as well possibly in the Batman film um but he's
0: uh he, he's almost uh, mute uh, for a lot of it mm. um but he's, he's he's probably out of the habit of talking to people which is fair enough well he, uh, uh i suppose my slight problem with uh, Furry Road roads is that it's um Max despite being played by a different character again follows the same kind of uh, almost I mean here he's almost feral at the beginning and then he once again uh, he, he tries to get out of it um, he realises there's people who need more who need help more than him he lets them go and then he he goes off on his own again so
1: it's the same he, even though he's offered a place in in the society that is now going to be relatively good now, I, uh, I as a kind of a swan song to Max's the, the
0: the original Max's story, that might make more sense. And I think originally he was going to stay at um, uh, 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 in Watan Joe's place with Furiosa, um, but as a last minute they changed it. I can slightly forgive it more because you could argue this is
1: a rebooting or a reimagining. It's not really the same Max character. I, I, th- I think it would start to wear if it were the same thing every time, and it has been now three times in a row that he, yeah. he, he arrives as the Wanderer and he leaves as the Wanderer with a slightly different vehicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm probably going to forgive Fury Road because it's...
0: uh It really... I mean, he wanted to do a film that was basically one long chase, and uh, to be honest, it kind of is. There mm. are some quiet moments which you need because the rest of it is... Ch- uh, Max has got, like, no... uh Agency for the first, I don't know, mm. forty, fifty minutes of yeah. the film. He is—he's he's literally being used as a blood donor. I mean, again, makes no—it <laughs> doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all. Um, and and he hooks him up, and and uh, uh so. But you know, you touched on the uh, mythology, and it's beautifully done here. I think you know, there's clearly yeah. a
1: mix of old word mythology. The, the, the and- way Joe has set up this culture of fanaticism in in his. Dying warriors. Yes, yeah, I, I feel I should point out you. If if you're recruiting for a very physical job, people dying of radiation sickness is not a great <laughs> option. But, uh, but still,
0: I mean, then you don't. And know. The toilet
1: arrangements alone will be.
0: <laughs> what you're not sure of there is, uh, were they. Is that part of the recruit? Are they recruited because they're dying? Or does something, some initiation process make them sick like that? Is that why they've got the shit? What I really love about the mythology is it's all show, don't tell. You know, whenever I explain this stuff, it's all just, they all know
1: it, Max knows it, Furiosa knows it, it's just, it's just there. When, when someone sprays silver paint on his chops and says, witness me, you can work out what's going I on. Said, yeah? Yes, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then comes back beautifully, uh, at the end. And, and I've got to say, I think one of, one of the slightly less sung stars here is Nicholas Holt. As, yeah, as Nux, the, the, the main... He's almost unrecognisable. I mean, he's the guy from um, About a Boy. I think he's the boy from, and he's uh, he's incredible. Um, but he, he, he's playing a fanatic, yeah, with real subtlety, and that's great. Yeah, and to a large extent, I think you know, along with Furiosa, he, he is. is the hero of this story. I, so I think Mad Max Four has
0: the best, not not including Maxo, but it has the best acting and the best characters. You know, Immortan mm. is probably the best villain. I think I, I think it, well mm. I don't know maybe an anti entity is one of my...
1: they're all very good uh, but but here we are back to the villain sidekick thing and the sidekick is really interesting yes yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's
0: um yeah uh, also we have <laughs> just this is where I mean it really leans into the camp uh, kinky nonsense where we have a uh, they they will go out to uh, but again it it although it doesn't make a lot of sense you can see. Uh, the mythology around it, they will go into battle with a truck <laughs> surrounded by loudspeakers. Doof um, Warrior! <laughs> with the Doof Warrior, who is uh, a BDSM guy who has a guitar, which literally his whammy bass spurts fire out at the end of it.
1: And that was a working guitar that actually did that, which I flipping love. But at the same time, you know, it looks lovely, but you are not left in any doubt that these are bad guys. Oh yeah, and they get their comeuppance.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's um. I mean, in 2015, we we, we were certainly seeing um the the, the whole uh, male supremacist nonsense getting getting going, and and I think that's that's a consideration here.
0: Well, this is um. It's also we had a hint of it with anti-entity being one of the more interesting and human characters, but here, you know. Max is kind of a bit part in his own film because Furiosa, um, as you say, uh, a Nicholas Holt's character. What was, what was his name again? Knox. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're re- real stars and Furiosa mainly. And she, uh, Charlie's Thorough. Now Hollywood always loves it when a um, a beautiful woman makes herself look uh, ugly, or mm-hmm. you know, takes away some of the trappings that would be considered beautiful. So they're always going to love it when she does. But she plays the part with. Uh, subtlety and strength, you know, she, a lot of her stuff, she doesn't get a lot of dialogue either,
1: but mm-hmm. she get, you get the measure of her character very quickly and... And also she and Max are people who quick, of everybody here, they quickly come to understand each other. Yeah, Because they are basically the same, doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then we have these,
0: uh, I mean, this is where the timeline doesn't make any sense. If this is the Max
1: who was a cop a few years ago, then how did Furiosa grow up post-apocalyptically in yeah, the same Yeah, the, the, the actors are roughly the same sort of age. They look the same
0: sort of age. I think that's an artefact of this was originally a film written for Mel Gibson who was going to be older but then they yeah. realised it. Anyway, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense but that, that just led into the, the kind of, this is where Max really has become a sort of iconic character uh, at the beginning of the film and then it's just cut out from under you because it literally becomes a blood bag for a
1: lot of it. Um, the, the general feeling I got was that the look is basically the look of two. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all bigger.
0: And it's all bit, and they have they've kind of abandoned that. Nobody's got any petrol anymore um, because
1: they. <laughs> yeah, won- I mean, there, there there is clearly a place where you can go to get fuel, and a different place where you can go to get bullets. Exactly. And they, those have their own warlords running them. <laughs> no one mentions quite what they eat or anything. I mean, they get some food. That water
0: poured on them every so often, but, but it's um, the action is for the most part great. I mm. think here, I mean, it's really visceral. A lot of it is practical effects. Um, which, yeah, I make. mean, there, there's. Ob- Obviously, well, particularly for, um, Furiosa's arm. Yes, that's one of the, yeah, and I think she managed to break, um, uh, uh, uh Tom Hardy's nose, uh, <laughs>
1: because of that somehow. Um, but, but, but yeah, and see, you know, there can be pretty good CGI, but it very rarely has the right feeling of momentum and inertia and heaviness, basically. And uh, yeah, people here are getting sweaty and grimy. They are, we, we, which let's face it, in the in the in a real desert it happens in about seventeen seconds after you get to it. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the editing is really friendly. and
0: apparently he would just speed up Joe, by he George Miller, who I feel really. He's coming back to this now with a passion after maybe lost lost it a bit with Mad Max 3. He's really... Hmm. F- I, th- I think he's f- had the, t- the time to get back in the mindset. Yeah, and uh, he would speed up the editing until he could just about work out what was going on. In his so the frame rate changes throughout the film, which leads hmm. to this really peculiar... Uh, for me, ever so slightly off-putting at first visual style... But once you get into it, I think it
1: really does work. The the only bit for me, and this may just have been um, the mood in which I was watching it, ju- just right in the the, la- the last big battle going through the canyon the second time, Yeah, I stopped being able to keep track of who was on which vehicle and which all of the vehicles were moving in and stuff like well, that. And I thought they felt there weren't quite enough shots remi- um, to, to set that up. I was going to bring the, that up. I think, actually, of all the Man Max films, uh, as, as
0: good as he is, is... is Keeping you aware of what's happening. I couldn't actually work out what happened to a Morton Joe in the end. Honestly. Uh, it was too quick for me and too, I saw that mm. his face got ripped off, I think, and I think that was something to do with Furiosa's arm, but I don't, it, it, it that last bit got too frenetic. But it, uh, it also was the one that, uh, so I agree, the editing was a little off-putting for me and, and a little Nothing like, you know, we were talking about in the Edge of Tomorrow or whatever it's called, Live, Die, Repeat, Uh, you know, the final battle, you know, where mm. he's inside. The, that was just blackness and shooting and I could make out almost <laughs> nothing at all. At least I had some vague idea. But for my taste, it was a bit too close up, a bit too fast cut. Yes, I agree. Certainly towards the end. Um, but then we had, you know, we have a great send-off for Nux, and you know, we call back to that witness me, um which we've never been explained, but you
1: just, it yeah. just but works. Well, that's the thing, I mean, he, he is like, um you know, the, 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 the religious person who has realised that, you know, maybe the high priest is a bad person, yeah. but that doesn't mean the religion is wrong. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, those characters, be it is great, uh, but I,
0: it's just, uh, It's an interesting one for me because Mad Max Fury Road is, for me, easily the best of all of them. Mm. Um, And as you say, the reason it works is it takes all the good things out of the best one previously, which is Mad Max
1: 2, some of the good bits out of the other ones, and then just... Does them again really well. I'm just reminded of 1066 and all that for which the subtitle was All the History You Remember. But <laughs> this is all the bits of Man Max you remember in one actual film. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good.
0: Um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Fury Road. And I, I can't think of another
1: franchise where the fourth film is the best one. Uh, but for mm. me it is. Yeah, I, I I would put four at the top, then two, then one, then three. But that does not mean I think three is terrible. I think it's yeah. the worst of these.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Three is flawed but full of good ideas. One is is good but forgettable. Two is uh, well, forgettable's a bit harsh. But there were other similar films around. It didn't quite stand out from the crowd. Two, it does stand out from the crowd, and then four just does two
1: better. <laughs> I, I think. Um, um, one one particularly beautiful shot, um, which I think was probably just coincidental that it it happened at about the right time. But the sandstorm that looks very much like a real sandstorm, but the way it has the legs and paws stretching out, yeah, it's, it's, I, I mean again the look. It's also um, very a,
0: a very colourful. I mean the colour palette is mainly yellow and blue and mm. rusty brown, but it, the colour is all very intense. It's not muted, drab, dark. Like a lot of post-apocalyptic, like The Road. cool blimey, it's all grey. Um, <laughs> but here, it's 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 cartoony. Um, have over you, have the top you of... watched the black and white version? No, we did do a black and white version, didn't we? Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that too. Um, which is and how did that work? Does that work?
1: It does work. Um... I'm trying to pin down how it works but it does it, it actually feels like quite a different film well that what what confused me there is he did want to do a black and white and they wouldn't let him I mm. think
0: so that became a, like an additional idea but then so I think became, I think it's a DVD extra or something like that but then it became a really colorful film so I don't know how it works in both ways but it's it's visually it's brilliant um it's it's nonsense, but it's glorious
1: nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Yeah, just, just what do they do at the bullet farm? I mean, I'm assuming bats for the guano for the saltpeter, but, you know, hand-ground powder is, is not something could work in automatic weapons. And uh, so. uh, they, they mine the bullets from the bullet mines.
0: <laughs> uh, it's also sort of a, I don't know, feminist film in that, you know, this film passes the best test. I'm not sure Mm. any of the other Mad Max films do. Um, And the main, most interesting characters are are, are female. Um, Yeah. It's it's a good film. I like it. Uh, So, Mad Max Furiosa has already
1: been filmed. I I, I think it's just been called Furiosa now. It's just called Uh, Furiosa, which makes sense. Yeah, it's been made, it's... Officially in post-production, as far as I can tell, it's basically sitting on the shelf waiting for the release date. Well, I will trust it. I don't know how I feel about it. But uh, but I mean, not, not, not with Theron, of course, because it's about her youth and being cast. Some, but I can think, I think they use Anya Taylor Joy in the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's basically we we know the plot because it's the story of her being kidnapped from the Green Place as a child, and they gradually working her way up the to, to where she is at the start of this film. I'm I'm less interested, not because I'm uninterested
0: in Furiosa as a character, but uh it feels like prequels are always a bit less interesting to mm. me. I feel, I some of them work. Mm, it
1: makes me feel of the the Phantom Menace. <laughs> and, and, and as far as I can see, that there are in theory more more Mad Maxes with with um, Tom Hardy, but suppose there's some legal. I, I don't think it. it's got to the point of actual production or formal casting yet. I th- Exactly. Are, I think Hardy has a contract for two more films. But I think he has. He but it it, it may have, have it expired by it made, now. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, it's hard for me to imagine a more... Mad Maxy film than this one,
1: hmm. uh,
0: and it's uh, you know this feels like it's already been. Here's the best bit of Mad Max, and I'm going to turn them right out, and you're going to have them all. I can't imagine what more I'd want out of a Mad Max film, <laughs> but
1: I'm, I'm willing to give it give it all tries. I mean, but... I'll, I'll watch this again, but not in not you know within, within the next few months. Yes. Ma- maybe by the time the next one comes out, I'll be in the mood for it again. Yes, it, yeah, but, but maybe uh... I'll just watch this one again. But for this,
0: uh for me. Uh, a slightly surprising... Not a surprising one, because I had seen it before, but uh, uh, watching all of them again, I'm still surprised that this is still the best. For me, four mm. and two are masterpieces. One and three don't quite make it for different reasons.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have things to quibble about into, as we said, but, yeah, I think I, think I would go along with that. I, I think, if nothing else, two's so influential, not least on Mad Max Fury
0: Road. <laughs> um, oh, but it's very good, and I, I don't know... I'd, uh, I love the Doof Warrior. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what more do you need from a, a crazy post-apocalyptic film? It, it adds some of the fun back in that I think was lost yeah. with Three. Uh, well, Two isn't a very fun film. This one adds fun in where
1: it wasn't before, I think. Yeah, I, I think one, one of the problems with, with Two... Well, well, no, I mean, t- I was going to say that Two was too grim, but then they tr- they tried to cheer it up a bit in Three, and that just became comedic. And yeah, that, that didn't work either. So what do I know? Why well, do they just lean
0: into the ridiculousness of it? I think, but not in a stupid way. Everyone is really believes it, but when you take a step back, there's a guy chained to a giant set of loudspeakers <laughs> leading into it, <laughs> and with a guitar that blasts fire at the end of it. So it's it's hard, but they all go with it. Anyway, there we go. The Mad Max. What I don't know whether you call them four films
1: or what, but um, but they. Well, we call it one episode anyway. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) let's call it that. We'll ride forever, shiny and chrome.